welcome to uh, Back Chat with uh, Paul Zimmerman and me, Jim Gould. And on Back Chat uh, this morning, uh, we're talking about uh, two of uh, Hong Kong's uh, iconic transport systems, uh, the tramways on Hong Kong Island and also the Star Ferry between the island and Chim Sa Choi. Uh, both have been uh, struggling uh, somewhat in the past uh, couple of years because of uh, uh, lack of tourists and passengers. Um, but, uh, to discuss, uh, we're joined now on the line by John App, who's a, a visiting a professor and director of the Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies, and also Alok Jane, CEO of TransConsult. Uh, good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Perhaps, perhaps, uh, Alok, if we could just put this to you first. So, so, so the trams. Uh, uh, this is currently going through Legco at the moment, but the uh, the tramways are requesting a fare increase um, up to uh, three dollars for. Uh, uh, those aged 12 and above, passengers aged 12 and above, um, that a, a represents a 15% increase um, and also fares would go up by uh, 20 cents for children to $1.50 and 10 cents for the elderly up to $1.30. Now they haven't put fares up for the past four years I think, so um, d does it sound uh, reasonable to you? Well, there are two things here. One is a fare increase itself. Mm. Now, if you look at a very straight line progression and apply the rule of percentages, the, the fare increases look quite steep. But if you look at the quantum of increase, mm. we are starting from a very low base. And, and looking at how the wages and the cost of operations have gone up, those increases don't look very unreasonable. Mm. But I think there is a more fundamental issue that relates to tram, and which is not just a, a fare increase issue, which is more about how that business is perceived and operated in Hong Kong. I mean, there have been, th this has been an endemic problem in, in, in tram operation. The fare had been artificially low for a very long time. They are, as you said in your introduction, they are icons, they're tourist icons for Hong Kong, but we don't run them like a tourist icon. We, we, we operate them more like a local cheap transport facilities. And I think that kind of positioning needs to be addressed fundamentally to make it long-term viable. Otherwise, we will be discussing the same thing possibly again and again in every few years. What's the difference? Well, the difference is you look at peak tram model. Peak tram is a classic tourist model, uh, you know, where you have a price for the tourists who use it for, for pleasure, for sightseeing, uh, for, uh, you know, single use, occasional use. But then there is a separate price who are residents there who use it for every day. And this model is not new. This model is applied in many cities. You go to Vienna, uh, you pay uh, as a tourist a different price for the water taxis. You And as a local, you pay a different price. And, you know, London, you take a single journey on, on TFL. You pay a completely different price as compared to a local who buys a pass and then travels. So this dual pricing... Uh, is is quite common around the world, and I think that is the kind of thing we need to develop for these so-called tourist icons. But would that be easy to organise? I mean, um, uh, you know, differential pricing for locals and visitors, uh, our transport system, and the the pricing models. That we have one in place for all. All. I mean, I pay I, I pay two dollars on anything that I use me <laughs> as over sixty three. But um, so, but how, how would how do, how would you apply that? Uh, would you just apply then a tourist pricing for all transport? 
Well, you can apply for all transport. And just coming back to your $2 thing that you mentioned, as you know, that has really been a pain uh, for, for, uh, for a, in, in a sense that people do realize that there is a bit of, uh, you know, that subsidy should not be offered to tourists. And, and that is why the government has actually gone and uh, now they are slowly moving towards uh, registration and using a private, uh, personalized card. Mm-hmm for uh, offering the $2 discount. So I think it's a similar, along the similar lines, a number of things can be introduced. Octopus usage in Hong Kong, we can easily define who is a local and who is not a local. And besides the tourist pricing, I mean, it, it, what else is that? I mean, tram to me looks like an, an, a transport facility that, that has good function. I mean, I use it regularly. Uh, so for me, it definitely has good function. Uh, but And the star ferry, probably less so. Uh, but... Uh, where do you see that going? So from a functional aspect, Paul, uh, it's, it, you, again, it, it's a good function. There is no doubt about it. But is the fare of $2 or $3, is that sufficient to pay for that good function? I think that is where uh, the differences lie. MTRC for the same journey, uh, let's say from Admiralty to Wan Chai, MTRC charges more than $4. Right, whereas a tram, which is even more convenient, doesn't require you to go down and up mm-hmm. for those short journeys, charges much less, and it could be even faster sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, uh, John App, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. So the trams are very much part of the Hong Kong scene, uh, uh, very much loved uh, form of transport. A, a lot of people use them for convenience, for getting around, and uh, obviously they're uh, very popular among tourists. I mean, would you go along with what um, Alec Jane was saying there, so we could have differential pricing for, for people who use them on a, on a, you know, on a daily function to get to work or, or something like that, or to get down mm-hmm. to Admiralty, or, and, then, and then people who are visiting the city? Certainly, I concur uh, with, with his comments, and I, I think from a, a tourism perspective, um, you know, transport accessibility, uh, not only you know to Hong Kong in this instance, but within Hong Kong, um, is a very important element that facilitates the ease of travel of you know of, of tourists or of anyone you know within Hong Kong. And you know, obviously, while we're talking about uh, the trans and the star ferry. Um, many tourists, and when you look at the um, you know, comments on, on TripAdvisor and, and others, uh, everyone praises, say, for example, the MTR system and the efficiency of this. Um, when we look at um, you know the, the tram and, and Star Ferry, I mean, obviously there is a nostalgic uh, value uh, for the locals as well in, in terms of collective memory, uh, in terms of cultural heritage. So this is something we make sure that we should not lose sight of because, um, as mentioned in the, in the introduction, uh, these two forms of transport plus the peak tram um, are indeed iconic and um, you know, very distinctive of Hong Kong's um, you know, tourism offerings. So, yes, we need to indicate and you know, say, well, how can we support um, you know, uh, these uh, actions as a as we see them in, in, in terms of transport. And I think that, um, you know, the, the government, as well as the community, does have a responsibility uh, to support it as best as possible. Mm. 
But so, so other than transport function and heritage function, I mean, for, uh, personally, I, I, for me, the stuffer, I use it when I want to enjoy it. I come out of a concert on one side of the harbour and like to go to the other side of the harbour. I have a choice. I can go underground through a, the MTR or I can s- sit in the ferry and, and enjoy the breeze and uh, and think about life and, 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 and taking the views. I mean, they... There, is, there, are, there are more functions to this transport than, uh, to these modes of transport other than the transport itself. Oh, certainly. Um, you know, whenever I'm in Hong Kong, if I had a choice between VMTR to cross the harbour or the Star Ferry, um, you know, it will always be the, um, you know, the, the Star Ferry. And when you look at the price differential, um, and, and one of the problems has been, as mentioned earlier on, the, the, the low base uh, for the Star Ferry as well as the trams. And you need to, you know, um, you know, give consideration to this. I mean, it's a bargain. I mean, when I was a uh, port lecturer for uh, Princess Cruises, you know, often people would ask questions about, oh, you know, how do I get to the Star Ferry and things like that? Because when I, you know, uh, talk about, you know, what to see in, in Hong Kong, now if the, um, the cruise passenger does not want to join a, a land tour, right, and they want to travel around independently, you know, I said, well, you know, one of the things that you need to do is, you know, take the Star Ferry, you know, get a nice panoramic view uh, of Hong Kong Harbour and of the Hong Kong skyline, mm-hmm. etc. So, you know, people look forward to that. And, um, you know, certainly, you know, some of the times that I've, you know, been the port lecturer, I asked the, the audience, the passengers, well, how many of you been to Hong Kong before? And, you know, well over 70% had previously been to Hong Kong and it could have been a few years before or, you know, 20, 30 years before. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of inherent value there in, in terms of what type of experience um, are you looking for, you know, be it whether you're a, a local or, you know, a, a tourist. You know, people are looking for something different. Um, and, I, and I think, um, you know, Star Ferry in particular, as well as the trams, Mm. Um, you know, offer something that is uh, very distinctive. So, so those all those arguments call for a rethink of the pricing. I mean, the, the the pricing of the Star Ferry goes back to the Star Ferry riots when you know the time that it was the only way to get across from Kowloon to uh, to Hong Kong cheaply, and that was a right for the public to be able to do that cheaply. Uh, so now it's a tourism attraction, so we can un- unleash the pricing and um, and increase to more realistic pricing. Is that what both of you are, uh, are supporting? No, that- that's not what I have been saying, Paul. I, I'm just saying that we should stop from a linear thinking to a more uh, rational thinking about the whole uh, positioning of these two modes of transport, which we keep calling them as tourist icons, but then treating them as cheap transport in the city. So I think we need to completely understand how we want to position them and then position the prices uh, accordingly. If we want to... Ha- if we want these modes to make to play both the roles, then we need to look at dual pricing, which is quite—it's not uncommon around the world. Mm. So, we, so we could do it for the staff area as well. As yes, well indeed, the it's the same applies. So today, and Paul was just mentioning about how he loves to enjoy the staff ferry, and and I just want to point certain out times of the day. <laughs> yeah, well, certain times of the day, and and if, if you just want to cross the harbour today on a bus or a train, you are paying 10, more, you know, 10 Hong Kong dollars or around that. Whereas on a Star Ferry, you are paying much, much less, you know, just a, in the region of 2 $3. Now, that differential itself is, is unjustified. I mean, we are talking about the same journey. And if you look at that, you really see the, the inequity 
in the pricing of these two modes of transport. Yeah, but I mean, for sure, I mean, if somebody says to me, if you can have a breezy ride across the harbour after the concert and you have to pay $2 or $10, I don't think that $10 or $2 makes any difference to my decision. That's exactly my point. Uh, yeah, it's slightly different, though, isn't it? I mean, if, if you want to cross the uh, harbour on the Star Ferry uh, and you're in Central, so you've probably got to walk out you to take the, the ferry pier, you need, you, you, you know, it takes more time, doesn't it? You, know, you, get, you get to the other end and you probably have to walk into the centre of Chimsai Choi. If you take the MTR, like Paul says, it's, it's quicker. So um, isn't it more reasonable that you would expect to pay a bit more on the MTR for the convenience? Well, it depends on your origin and destination, Tim. Mm. If you are going from Marco Polo Hotel to Lechko, I can tell you that it is faster to go by Star Ferry okay. than go by uh, MDR. You know, you can, you can work out the journey. Uh, similarly, if you're going to Wan Chai Convention Center, uh, it's, if you see the distance from Chimsachu Station and then going to Wan Chai, changing at Admiralty, and then walking from Wan Chai Station to Exhibition on a, you know, using an MDR uh, system, Ferry would be much faster. I think it's, it's a, we, that's a apples to oranges kind of a comparison. If we are looking at origin destination, there are certain origin destination where Star Ferry would be faster. There are certain journeys where MTR would be faster. And so, it will improve for the Star Ferry because Site 3 will develop. Yes, indeed, yeah. We get more people closer to the Star Ferry who, for who it's more convenient to use Star Ferry to get to Kowloon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And to go to Let's Go. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, John, John, John. Up. Okay, no, no, it's been mentioned that, right, uh, potentially uh, the, these two companies can go under. Mm. And I'm fairly certain that we certainly do not want to, to, to lose them. No. And, you know, when you look at the, the, the amounts that, for example, that the, um, you know, the companies are, are facing, I mean, they are modest compared to, say, the subsidies that have been provided to, you know, companies such as Cafe Pacific or to... You know, Ocean Park or you know Hong Kong Disneyland, and if we want, really want to think outside of the box and, and provide assistance, particularly during these times of difficulty, you know I, I think that there is a, an obligation, a, a social obligation, on the part of um, the community and the government to you know help uh, support hmm. um, you know the, the, these two companies because I'm fairly certain that there'll be a huge outcry. If they do yeah, close down. Say, hey, yeah, we cannot um, survive under the, the current situation. Uh, so so yeah. I think yeah, there needs to be out-of-the-box out thinking on this. Well, well, one of the out-of-the-box thinking that the government does is non-fair revenue. So, uh, you know, you've got the Star Ferry and the Star Ferry peers. I mean, they should be able to get more revenue out of those two locations, isn't it? Well, yes, uh, but, you know, the franchises are only 15 years. So the substantial investment that is needed to unleash the non-fair revenue on these sites uh, is limited because nobody is going to pump in billions uh, when you know that your franchise may not last uh, longer than 15 years. So I think that, that is why I, meant, I said that there's a fundamental positioning needs to be addressed. And, and looking at the fact that we are pouring billions in runways that we do not need and highways that go nowhere, uh, I think the investment that is needed or subsidies that are needed to, to keep Star Ferry and Tram are minuscule. We are talking about very small numbers there. So Star Ferry, we have non-fair revenue from the peers that we can definitely improve on uh, if, we, uh, if we put some money into these peers. Uh, how about the, Star Fair, uh, how about the, uh, the, the Tram, non-fair revenue? We're talking pretty much just about advertising. That seems to be maxed out already. And the depot sites. The people side? What do you mean? 
the VP Street Depot, which is a prime location. Uh, I mean, they, it could be a transit-oriented development. There could be, you know, you have to. We have to just allow them to be creative about about the the land that they have or uh, the sites they possess. Hong Kong model at the moment is too restrictive uh, for for those purposes. Okay, the redevelopment of the of the depot. I mean, is that is that with the tram company or with the previous owner, the, the wharf company, or this, who has the right to the redevelopment uh, uh, option there? Well, I think that can be defined. It's a matter of structuring the deal. It's a it's a public-private partnership kind of an approach. We, there are a number of examples in Hong Kong where the, the prop site owner, the site user, and the government have come together to, to successfully make a good development out of a, of a particular site. Okay, that's, that's two recommendations here for government. Uh, e- email here from uh, listener S. It ca- kind of uh, relates to what we were talking about just now about uh, the location of the uh, Star Ferry. But it says uh, S says that the Star Ferry has become uh, way too remote for locals to use, and other more convenient options have developed at the same time. What the government should consider is to make a diversion option to the Star Ferry piers by tram, like the Happy Valley diversion. Also, the new seating arrangement of uh, single seating has made it less efficient for seating or standing. The planners of these projects uh, should use the trams regularly to feel the impact of change design. Well, uh, OK, leave, leaving aside what we talked about earlier, I mean, you made the point, Alok, that it depends where you are. Uh, it could be... Um, uh, uh, it could be more convenient to take the Star Ferry, um, depending exactly what locations you want to get to, uh, from the Marco Polo Hotel to the to the uh, Legico Building, for instance. But um, what about uh, this point that S is making about the the design and seating arrangements uh, that are, are, have uh, apparently made a difference? Well, on the design side, certainly I will go to more, even more fundamental. I mean, the mm. vehicles that we are using for tram. And, uh, and and ferries, they are archaic. Uh, we know that they, you know, those vehicles ha- are beyond their their design use uh, at the moment. You you know, and those need to be upgraded. We can keep the shape and the form of these trams and and ferries, but certainly, uh, what what goes inside there, the propulsion system can can be moved, and and the design can be changed. The comfort level can be changed. Uh, I mean, I would if I, if you ask me. The, the ferry should have been electric long time ago. Mm. You know? could, could, could they be electrified and yet, you know, keep their sort of uh, their regular shape, their recognisable shape? Or, you know, yes, shape yeah. is just mm. a cover. I mean, right. it's a cladding. Right. You can put any shape that you want. Mm. It's the engine room that needs to be mm. to be modernised. Okay, and we wouldn't be getting any more smoke coming out the chimneys. And any new routes for the tram? I mean, is that uh, do you see any option opportunity for new additional routing for the trams? I mean, the, star, the tram has asked for this in the past, isn't it? Yes, they have. Mm. Uh, and I would personally say that before we go to new routing, we need that fundamental reform. Otherwise, we we are just you know postponing the problem. But yes. Uh, tram is a good mode of transport. It is. It has proven. Uh, it has seen a resurgence in many parts of the world, and with the new areas, the new reclamation areas in Hong Kong, which are a little bit away from MTR station, it is certainly a good choice. And I, I like that idea about um, putting a loop on the tram, which goes next to the Star Ferry Pier, which has moved further away from most of the developments in, let's say, Wan Chai area or Central area. So you can certainly there. There are. Um, uses where the tram can serve a good value. What do you think, uh, John App? Is there scope for expanding the tram network? 
terms of improving accessibility. And the example of the, the, the spur line uh, to the, the central you know, ferry pier you know, would be a, a good example and indeed an excellent suggestion. So you know, certainly whatever you can do to facilitate uh, accessibility is, is key. And you know, in terms of what was mentioned earlier on, you know, to have a much more realistic pricing that um, you know, this needs to be you know, taken into consideration and the, the fact that right, um, you know, the transport operators have to seek government approval for any you know, fare increases, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that needs to be you know, reviewed as well. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, we've got a caller, James. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Jim. Yeah. Yes, yeah, go ahead, please. No, I, um, I wanted to support some of the, the, the comments that have been made by your guests about the sentimental values of the Star Ferry and the trams. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, they're, 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 they're great. And the fares have always been low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't really have tourists anymore mm-hmm. uh, to utilise them. For now. So, for now. Mm-hmm. And inshallah, it will happen in the future. But uh, I think the fares could be knocked up a bit. I'm not sure how it could be arranged hmm. for it to be for residents and tourists uh, for different fares. How often do you um, use the tram? Uh, or, or, or I, the Star Ferry? I don't use it very often, but sometimes I do it just to enjoy it. For enjoyment. I mean, I go from... Uh, and you'd be happy to pay more. I go from Kennedy Town all the way down and back, and I love it. And you would pay more? You, know, you would be happy to pay more? Uh, I would be happy. I mean, it's very cheap at the moment. Um, and it's... Look, I've lived here a long time, and so I'm old-fashioned. So I don't mind about that. Uh, but what what the right fare should be, uh, I don't know. Mm. Um, but it's certainly a more pleasurable experience. Okay. For a, for, a, for a long time Hong Konger, you should be very keen on the penny, isn't it? I mean, the, the local community has always been known for being uh, extremely keen uh, when it comes to uh, fare increases for trams and star ferry and other modes of transport. So, um, Oh, absolutely. So and I'm... And I'm also a tight fishwife. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but you wouldn't mind paying $3 on the, on the uh, tram? Or more. Oh, I, they could knock it up to 5 and I wouldn't be bothered. <laughs> All right, we'll take that price into okay. account. Okay. All right, well, well uh, thanks very much for that, uh, James. Um, so, yeah, yeah, perhaps, uh, yeah, um, Alok Jane, um, for, for locals, for locals using the tram, I mean, how, how much do you think would be a, you know, a sustainable fare increase? So, like we say, the current request is for a, a 15% rise. Like you say, it's from a, a very low base. That would be for 12 and over, just from $2.60 up to 3 But uh, do you think there's scope to go more than that? Well, uh, okay, in my opinion, there are two things here. One is, if you look at it, what it is and how much we are increasing, mm. it obviously looks like a big number. 15% fare increase mm-hmm. would, would look a very big number. But if you, uh, what, you know, Paul was just asking James earlier, 
how much you are willing to pay. This is what we, in transport terms, call willingness to pay survey. Mm -hmm. And if we conducted a willingness to pay uh, in Hong Kong, and I can tell you that I have conducted many of these over my work for the last 30, 35 years in Hong Kong, and most of the people in Hong Kong rate fares as when they're making a transport choice as a third or a fourth item. There are a number of things before that, reliability, safety, uh, availability. These things become more important. And if we can deliver those propositions, then fare really becomes a secondary item. And that's why people are choosing to pay $10 to cross the harbor uh, on an MTR because they find that that is faster or that is more convenient for that matter or that is protected from weather and all those things and not paying $2 and using a star ferry. So we have to understand what, how does this work and then create that proposition where people are willing to pay more for the same services. Do we know who's, who are using the trams and the star ferry? To what extent we have people who use it for enjoyment and uh, for tourism uh, and, and who uses it for, for a commute and for who's it's essential. When I use the tram, I see different groups of people using the yep. tram. Do we know who uh, they are? Well, I think we, we used to know who they are uh, as a part of the travel characteristics survey that government used to conduct every 10 years to identify uh, different modes of transport, who are use, using it and for what purpose. So that data used to be available. Uh, obviously, that has uh, been a bit disrupted because of uh, COVID and all those things. And, and I understand that that will be uh, happening. Some travel characteristics survey would be undertaken again, and that would give us the data. So yes, uh, that data used to be available. That data can, can easily be made available uh, by doing some surveys by, by the government. And yeah, th th that can be utilized to set the fares or pricing strategy, I would say. Okay, uh, uh, John App, uh, we're all hoping yes, to see... We're to all, on, yeah. the issue of, on the issue yes. of pricing and, yeah. and willingness to, to pay, um, you know, the, the, the thing about you know, price, and when you ask people that price, they're always typically going to say, oh, it's going to be too high. But uh, as I mentioned earlier on, um, your, your positioning is important. And you know, often you, it's better to say, no, do you agree with this price? It's better to say, you know, did you get value for money? Mm -hmm. And um, and obviously in the tourism industry, you know, we're, we're looking about uh, delivering and staging a memorable experiences, uh, not only for the tourists but also for, for the locals. So, you know, what type of experience do you want? And look at it from a, a psychological perspective rather than simply in terms of price. Okay, well, let's hope we'll see the tourists uh, back again before long. But, uh, uh, thanks very much for joining us on the programme this morning to both of you. That was uh, uh, John App, a visiting professor and director of the Global Centre for Tourism Education and Training at the Macau Institute of Tourism Studies. And thanks very much to Alok Jain, CEO mm. of TransConsult Asia. Uh, a couple of... Um, uh, emails uh, just before we close uh, the programme this morning. Um, uh, this one from Vic relating to uh, yesterday's back chat topic, which was about art space, says uh, if there's no market for it, why sink public funds into its promotion? Hong Kong residents are innovative and industrious enough to find a niche. Uh, better not to try a top-down approach as government involvement may just make the process uh, aimless. Recently, craft beer and craft tea have found a niche. Uh, you may call it art, uh, but is, it's a great example of finding a market niche. Um, Amy writes on our Facebook, um, 
I believe the number one thing people are struggling with most is a total lack of communication from the government about what their plan is. This relates to what we were talking about earlier, Early today, earlier on yeah. COVID uh, updates about mm. people leaving. Uh, it's the not knowing that's making people leave because they can't plan ahead. If the government said uh, we plan to move towards opening up in October based on current vax rates etc and schools will not close again people would be better able to get their heads around it I know so many long-term committed Hong Kongers who are now leaving or have already left uh, thank you for that uh, Amy thanks to everybody who wrote in uh, thanks to our guests thanks very much to you Paul yeah good being here Jim oh, good. good discussion uh, today uh, I think. Yes, yes.